Hey, 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 everybody. My name's Ryan Atkinson, and you are on BizCloud. Today, we have a conversation with Courtney Werner talking about Fiesta, Koya, entrepreneurship, and books. It was a super fun conversation to talk about community, starting a company with her family, a book that changed her life. We dove a lot into this. It was a really fun conversation and a whole lot more. I'm super excited for you guys to give this one a listen. So let's dive in. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Super, super excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And one of the first questions that I want to get started with is Fiesta, because the first time I went to Fiesta, my mind was actually blown. I thought I was walking into like a meeting room with like five people and I walk in and there's like 500 people. So I was like, this is totally crazy. Like, what is this? And it's been an awesome event in Austin. So I want to start with that. It started back as a family. You guys were just talking back in 2018. Let's talk about how this idea started. I'm really curious about this origin story of Fiesta. Yeah. So honestly, the origin story of Fiesta kind of goes back to the origin story of Koya, um, which you briefly mentioned. So back in 2018, super simple. My dad was kind of in a transition period, trying to figure out what to do next. And it was his birthday. So we're sitting around the table and we ask him, what do you want to see happen this year? And the first thing that came to his mind was that he wanted to start a family business. Long story short, um, we all shared different problems that we were facing. And one of the biggest problems that came up was that my sister and I were traveling about 60 to 80% of the year for work. And we were missing out on birthdays, bad days, case of the Mondays, anything that any important date that helps you build relational equity, we were absent for. And so we decided to create something that would allow you to connect when you're not there in person. And I would say the reason I'm kind of sharing that Orton story is that it is a little bit of a glimpse into what we care about as a family, which is connection. So whether in real life through Fiesta or virtually through Koya, we care about building products that allow people to connect in a more meaningful way. Yeah. I mean, like what, so like, what are some of the opportunities, if someone doesn't know like what Fiesta is, like, what are some of the opportunities that you guys provide to connect in a real life, real way? So, yeah, that's a great question. We have a monthly gathering and you mentioned it blows your, you blew your mind when you went there. Same here. Every time I go, it grew really fast. I think we did not expect it to take off the way that it did. But essentially, we created it as a way to just help other founders make the connections they needed to go further. That was the whole entire premise and purpose of the meetup itself. And that is kind of what we provide the founders are just resources, resources to help them figure out lawyers or help them figure out service providers or help them find co-founders or help them find investment. Anything that you need in the beginnings of a startup is kind of what we provide. Yeah. And I think it was really cool because like when I walked in there, one of my friends texted me about yes, and I was like, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into. I came and I was like, I like signed in and I walked into the room and there were so many people there. There was food, there was like free drinks, like there's a real like camaraderie around there and like the the relationships you make there and the connections you have and the conversations are all like really authentic. And has that like I mean I'm sure it's always been like that, but like how has Fiesta really changed from 2018 all the way to now to 2023? I think the only thing really that has changed is just the size and yeah. the technology. So you mentioned check-in. So that is actually one of our products. 
um, that we've created under the Koya brand. Yeah. And aside from those two things, everything's kind of just been the same. I think the way that we've approached this meetup is different than most meetups. Um, we genuinely just wanted to help. And I think people can kind of feel that. They don't feel like we're trying to get something from them because we're not. <laughs> so I think that's what makes it feel different because even I feel different there. Like I, the same things that you mentioned, like the quality of connection is something that I also experience in that space. I don't know. It just feels kind of magical. And yeah, I, I love how it's just formed into this, this thing. Yeah. I think the community aspect is like a really big part of it. And that's someone that like leads a community like, like this, like what is the hardest part of building a community? Uh, everybody has different needs. So keeping that in mind, we're starting to do some things to help facilitate people sharing what they need so we can figure out how we can help them. I think one of the biggest problems, not only as a founder, but also as a community leader is thinking that your problem is someone else's. That's mm. not true. <laughs> so the same, same principles of like the mom test that you would do as an entrepreneur, making sure that your product is actually something that can find product market fit is yeah. the same thing that you do with a community is it's not just like, cool, we did it, we're done. It's constantly trying to figure out, um, hey, is this helpful? What else could we do? And not assuming that what you think is best or what you think the problem is, is actually the problem because you're usually wrong. Yeah, I think like the conversations like that you have there is like, that's what I really like about the community is like, there's so many like-minded people there and you really can like solve problems together in a collaborative way and like a very open way. Yeah, it is pretty, it's a pretty unique experience. We're trying to work on that part actually, because for, you know, introverts, for instance, that come into a room of like 300 plus people, it's extremely intimidating. And so while extroverts tend to have a great time and like figure out, you know, how to go run run the crowd i think um being a little bit more mindful about how we structure the space and organize the space to provide more quality conversations for people who might not feel comfortable like butting into an already present conversation that's interesting like how do you do that because i would consider myself like an extrovert like i could just kind of walk the room and like it was overall at first but like you kind of warm up to it but like for someone that's introvert like how do you like organize an environment where they're able to they come as their best selves yeah so we're having we've been we did a questionnaire at the end of the year to kind of gather some feedback and yeah. as a result of that we've also just been asking people in general like hey what can we improve how can we improve this so a few people have given us some suggestions for splitting up the room into different groups maybe having like an ambassador for web3 and maybe an ambassador for something out with marketing. I don't know. So that way at the end of the pitch, the pitches, um, people can then naturally find what they're looking for, but also mm -hmm. find a group that maybe is a bit more like-minded so that it's a little bit more approachable in that regard. So honestly, I don't know if it's going to work. All of marketing <laughs> is a test, but we're willing to at least try these things to see if they help people get those quality connections, you know, while attending the event itself. Interesting. How do you like, so when you have like a big event like this, I, like I understand like digital marketing, like marketing online, like ads, organic search, but like what, how do you really like market like 
in-person events. It's an area that I have like no expertise in. I'm all digital marketing, but like, how do you like really market like an in-person event? Like, how is it different from digital? I can't take the credit for this. I would actually give this to my mom, Cherie, who what's funny is we kind of stumbled into it. So she decided to call it Fiesta. My whole life, she loved acrostics. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. And so she decided to name the event Fiesta, which stands for founders, investors, entrepreneurs, startups, techies, and Austin newcomers. So she created that. Yeah. And initially I was like, that's so long, you know, gave her some flack. And as a result, though, with this name being on Meetup, anybody mm -hmm. that was searching any of those things, those oh, keywords found us. So it was genius. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And it was another thing, just like the community itself, I would say we sort of fell into it. Um, this also was something that we sort of fell into. And another thing is in order to, and this I can't take credit for either, um, it takes a lot of, you have to be willing to go to other people's events mm. in order to bring them into yours. And I would say Sheree and John, my parents, did an excellent and do an excellent job at that. They're constantly going to different events, meeting people, and then, you know, genuinely like in person, inviting people to come. Yeah. Um, and so I think the digital aspect through Meetup, but then the in-person piece through all the events they attend and just like the general goodwill that they've established within the Austin community has led people to the event and sort of started some like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. That's, I was literally just about to say, I feel like the word of mouth for Fiesta has to be like the strongest, like not even in Austin, but like in Texas, like I feel like everyone has something good to say about this. And that's how I heard about it is word of mouth that it, like, I hate to put a metric on this, but like, is there really any way to like measure like word of mouth? Like, oh, that's our strongest advertising channel. <laughs> well, it's, we could, so, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but we could. So like this, you know, the check-in process I mentioned, like we're able to ask questions to kind of understand more of the people that are coming so we can help facilitate conversations um, post-event and also during the event. But like I said, we don't. So honestly, we have no idea what the exact, like if that's the biggest driver. Although I will say, based on the conversations I've had, pretty much everyone says, oh yeah, a friend told me about it. So I think we kind of, once you hear that, Pretty much consistently, you kind of know at that point, like people are just hearing about it and they're curious. And so they they come. Yeah, that's really cool. I should I, I don't know a light bulb just went off my head. I should ask this way earlier. But like once you guys did decide to like start Fiesta, start Koi, I mean, what was like the first step? We'll get we'll dive into Koi here. But with Fiesta, I mean, like what was really like the first step to like really bring this to reality? Because this is a huge event. Like this isn't like some small little thing. But like what was like some of the first steps you guys took? So starting a community was something we always were wanting to do. Um, I would say Fiesta truly started from during the pandemic. My mom was always, I don't know if you've heard of Lunch Club, but it was it's, it's basically like an online uh, place where you can meet other business professionals and you're matched up with different people. So she uh, was just like talking to people all the time, random people all the time. And our very first fiesta, like predominantly, were just people from her lunch club call that had moved to Austin. Interesting. So 
yeah, that was the very first one. I think I can't remember exactly. I think there's around like 30 people maybe that came. And then the next one was like, I don't know, at Capital Factory and was like close to 100. And then we just kept kept going from there. But I think because you 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 were asking how it got started and essentially that's sort of the step that was taken was that she just had conversations uh, with strangers and invited invited them all to come <laughs> and put <laughs> up. So, yeah. I think that's crazy. So you guys started out with 30 people. Next event was 100. What are you guys at like now? Like, I'm just going to throw a number. I really don't know. I would say it's like, is it close to a thousand? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> just a random number out there. I believe throughout the past, it's been a year and a half. And I think we're close. We're over 3,000 in total. Wow. Um, I think we're closer to 5,000. That Because the thing is, the people that come, uh, only about maybe 30% come back continuously. The, the rest are just new people every single time. So in terms of our like reach, it's rather vast. Mm-hmm. Um, but then consistently, like the people that come, it's actually pretty small. And so every, like I said, every month there's 300 plus that come every single time. We also do other events throughout the month as well. And so we meet people from there too. So 3,000 plus people are part of the overall community. That's super interesting. But I also want to make a shift to Koya. Let's talk about Koya. Like, can you give us like a brief introduction of like what Koya is? You have Fiesta on one side, then you have another beast on the other side of Koya. Can we talk about Koya for a little bit? Yeah. So as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, uh, every, Koya is honestly our family embodied. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Koya is. <laughs> yeah. It is a desire to help people connect in a meaningful way. So Koya was established from that place. Um, pre-pandemic, it was B2C and it was an app. Post-pandemic, it's now B2B. And to put it very simply, it is just a video message that you can add an optional gift with. That's it. And you can schedule in advance or send it right away. And so we're seeing people use it. Managers of remote teams use it. Real estate agents use it. Anybody that wants to kind of send gratitude um, through like a video message, they use it. The way that it ties into Fiesta, though, is that with the Fiesta check-in system, we're able to, afterwards, on our end, we can send Koyas. So we can mm-hmm. thank people for coming. We can tell someone happy birthday. Like, So they sort of still go hand in hand to us. And we have some plans for them that I can't, that I'm not ready to fully, yeah, divulge. But yeah, that's kind of, we started with Koya. Now we have Fiesta. And in a lot of ways, Fiesta is sort of the community that allows us to test some products. And so Koya is one of the products we're able to kind of test and see how people receive it and what they think about it and how we can improve the overall experience. Yeah. Was that like intentional of like, like we're also going to build a community on the side and like this could be like a user like test group for us. Was that intentional on your guys' part? No, it honestly, the the community was birthed from those uh, lunch club calls and, and then it was birthed from a place of wow, we made every single mistake you can think of as founders. (laughs) How can we help avoid, like help people avoid making those same mistakes? Like they don't need to be made twice. Um, So it really was kind of from that place of wanting to help people avoid those mistakes, have the resources that we wish we would have had sooner and be able to connect with the right people to help people level up, right? But when you have a community and it just so happens that your product is all about 
helping people connect, it kind of works out. <laughs> uh, and so it was sort of another thing that we that we kind of stumbled into, like not not intentional, like, oh, let's create this community and then use it for like for MVP. <laughs> not it was like, let's keep create this community and oh yeah, cool. We have a community. Oh yeah, we have a product. I wonder if people what they would think about using this product and how they would feel with us sending this product. Mm -hmm. What is like, I feel like with this video product, first off, like what's, what are some of the gifts that people can send to people? Yeah. So it's very, very simple. Um, gift cards. We have Amazon, which I think is our biggest one that's sent. We have Starbucks, which is fun because you can just send a coffee. Like after this, I could be like, Hey, thanks for having me in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. And I got the other ones that are on there, but those are like the main, the main ones. We have access to a lot of them, but we purposely didn't want to like overwhelm people with options so much so that they didn't decide to go through with it. The paradox of choice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because like right now, like we're, we're still in a remote world, hybrids back, of course, in person's back, but people are still working remotely. And I think like this is a really big trend that short form video um, and it's like showing gratitude remotely. When you, when someone is starting a business, I mean, like what are, like how much do they really play into trends? I think um, trends come and go, but mm -hmm. passion for something doesn't, usually doesn't. And when you're starting a startup, I think it's important to keep in mind that this is going to be for the long haul. Like mm -hmm. you typically, it's called a unicorn for a reason, right? <laughs> so don't think about it in terms of, having fast success mm -hmm. think about it and so in trends are kind of like that like in order to follow a trend you have to have a lot of capital and not only to build a product but to scale the product and then to have marketing dollars to put behind the product next thing you know you're just burning money and that is what i think kind of why we are where we are in some regards um with the way the landscape of like the vc and startup you know yeah so i think yeah don't follow the trends. I don't recommend it. Um, if you see a trend and you can find a way to iterate upon it in a way that's you're passionate about it, sure. Yeah. Um, but it's important to be passionate about it more than just try to chase the money because that's gonna you you'll crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I didn't mean it like that. Like this is like a trend. Like this is like definitely here to stay. Like remote work and video editing or video platforms are like here to stay. What has been like? When you when you think about Koi and like building this product, scaling this product, marketing this product, what's like one of the easiest things that you guys have been able to do with the product to really test it and be like, oh crap, like this actually works. And then what's another thing that's been like one of the hardest things about scaling a like a software product? Hmm. Um let's see. I'm trying to figure out how to answer that question. So we did a, I would say, because marketing is like I had mentioned before, just testing things out. So one of the ideas we had at one point was, what if we did a gratitude challenge and we did prompt, we gave people prompts. So that way every single day they were led to, to send a koi to someone like an old boss or a mentor or something like that. That worked pretty well because we're able to see how frequently people were using it and get some feedback. and. Um, it kind of was instead of doing a free trial, that's what we did instead, which worked better because it allowed people to jump onto a mission and jump onto something that 
gave them like a positive feeling because they would receive messages back from these people. And then they're like, oh, this is amazing. This is really fun. Whereas like free trials, usually people forget about them. At least I know I do. Um, And then you never try the product and then, yeah, you move on with your life. So that ended up working out really well and was super easy. I mean, zero marketing dollars. Um, It was, we just did some email drip campaigns and we just invited the community, invited our friends, invited anybody we chatted with to kind of join this gratitude challenge. And it was something we did together. Trying to think of one of the hardest things. I think one of the hard, I mean, I guess I'd rather just talk about hardest in terms of mistakes is that initially we built a product before we had product market fit. And I recommend first just throwing up a landing page and seeing if people are actually interested before spending a dime on code. That's what I recommend instead. That was a really hard mistake because it was a very expensive mistake. Yeah. When you like do like make a landing page, people recommend that all the time. Let's just make a landing page, see if people really want it. But like what metrics do you like? Should you have a goal like 150 people signed up or like how should someone like really approach that? Like, oh, I'm going to make a landing page, but how do I really know if people want this in a measurable way? Yeah, I think if you if you notice that there's a huge, you're getting a lot of organic traffic to the mm-hmm. site, that means people are talking about it, they're sharing it. So I definitely have some kind of like referral component or some kind of com- component that makes someone feel like I'm going to be left out. So there's FOMO, right? So either something that's worked well in the past has been um, using, like you can get your username, like, mm-hmm. and people want to get it really quick before it's gone. Um, and that's, I mean, that works. But the thing is, are you going to actually have those people using the product afterwards? It's honestly a little bit hard to tell. Uh, the more people you have that sign up, though, the greater the chance that maybe at least 10% will use it. Yeah. So volume does help. Yeah. Uh, but I would, one thing I would say with the landing page piece is don't just put it up and leave it. Mm. Put it up and kind of see it as iterative because if something's not working, if you're not seeing people d- like subscribe, perhaps it's your copy. It could be yeah. as simple as changing your copy up or it could be as simple as where you place the button. Or it could be maybe the explainer video, like instead of having that, you could just have quick photos because people don't have time to watch a video. Just trying a bunch of different things to see what will maybe change it is something that's important. But more than just the landing page, I think the landing page is a place that you can send people to after you've asked some questions. And one book I do recommend is The Mom Test, because if you read that book, you'll figure out how to ask the right questions the right way so that way you you can get unbiased feedback and then if people are genuinely interested after you ask the questions then you send them to the landing page um that's what it's usually really good for that's super interesting um i think the like the mom test i i have never heard i've never heard this book but one way that i've been thinking about like marketing like about my own life too is like context on questions and like how you ask the questions is there like one, is there any example that really comes to mind about like, oh, I asked a question a different way and it just produces like totally different results? So, yes, I'm trying to think of an example. In the mom test, they give a million examples about how to kind of reframe the questions because typically when you're excited about something, right? people can feel that. And so then they get excited about what you're excited about. But is that true excitement or are they just picking up on your excitement? Usually they're just picking up on your excitement. They can tell that you are into it. Mm -hmm. 
In the same way, if you're like annoyed with something or don't really like something, they'll pick up on that too. So really just getting down your questions and then keeping it kind of more monotone, like, or getting someone else that's not as involved to do it for you, which is why uh, UI UX researchers are really helpful on mm-hmm. um, early stages. That's that's super helpful because it does, the way you ask a question, um, it really can impact whether or not you're getting unbiased feedback for sure. So sorry, I can't give an exact example, but like I said, you can either ask a UI UX researcher to help you or this book is like a great first step to help you formulate formulate better questions. That's awesome. If someone wanted to like get like a first step, like first step in entrepreneurship, personal development, anything like that. I mean, like what book would you recommend? I love reading. I always love hearing like recommendations like these. Mm-hmm. Um, This is actually interesting, but if you're going to, so if you're planning on starting a company with someone, I actually recommend this book I'm reading right now. I'm reading a lot. I read a lot of books. I read a lot, but Crucial Conversations, Yep. I would say is pretty imperative. I mean, there are a lot of stakes when you're running a startup um, and being able to know how to frame a conversation and be able to just have a solid conversation is extremely beneficial in all areas of life, but especially in a really high pressure uh, context like a startup. Interesting. What like what what book has been like most influential like on your own career? Any category, any way, entrepreneurship, personal development, uh, mindset, or is there one book that like really comes to mind as like that really shifted my life? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's one book, but one author. Her name is Byron Katie, and she is essentially she asks you four questions to help you basically understand your thoughts and question your thoughts. So it's really, really helpful. It's been honestly life changing for me in business, personal life, all areas, because if you're able to question your thoughts, you can change your life. It's Mm -hmm. she basically states that what causes your suffering are your beliefs about something. And so without those beliefs, are you okay? And the answer is always yes. So that's been extremely, extremely helpful to be aware of like her material and her books. Interesting. Yeah. How does that like, so how do you like implement, like from that book, what would you like be able to implement from like a day-to-day perspective? Cause like, that's a really deep thought. So like, how do you implement that from like a day-to-day perspective of like your thoughts? So the, the first question is, is it really true? And mm. so let's just say that I'm like, I feel so intimidated to be on this podcast. I don't know if it's going to go well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself. So yes. whichever part of that whole string of thought causes me the most anxiety. So I'm going to embarrass myself. Yeah, That one is the one I question. And so then I'm like, is it true? And then I could think for a second and be like, yeah, it's true. Or no, it's not true. And then you go to the next question, which is how can you know it's true? Like, or is it really true? And so then it's like, I, I have an, another second to think through, how do I know it's really true? I don't. Like, no, I, I don't know that it's really true. And then you do some turnarounds to help you think through like, so a turnaround for I'm going to embarrass myself is I'm not going to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of ask yourself, like, who would you be without the thought? And without the thought that I'm going to embarrass myself. I would be confident. I would feel comfortable. I would be peaceful. I feel relaxed. Right. Oh, that's so, so sweet. 
you kind of just go through that with anything, any thought that causes some sort of disease. It's been really helpful. So, yeah, I really like that because I feel like it makes you like really conscious of your thoughts for one, but it's also to like eliminating those thoughts. And I love the positive twist at the end. It's like, oh, I'm not going to embarrass myself. Like, I'm going to do awesome on this podcast as you are doing. And I really like that conscious thought that it really gives you. Yeah, it's honestly a game changer. I think it's funny. A lot of the things that you're annoyed with about other people or that bother you in life are always just things that you have yourself. So typically with these questions, people end up doing them like worksheets. It's called like the work because you do worksheets where you write down these four questions. And a lot of times it's about somebody else, which is helpful in a business context because there are going to be things that come up and your thoughts about those things are going to, if you don't, if left unchecked, can become a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And so if you have this thought that your co-founder is lazy, if you let that just kind of grow, you're going to notice it in every single area and you're going to start pinpointing it and judging them for all the ways in which they're lazy. Meanwhile, you're probably the one that is lazy because you're noticing <laughs> it. But if we're able to take a second to question it, you're able to kind of get to the point where you realize, oh, I'm actually that way. And once you're able to see that, then you can change. You can change it because you can't change someone else, but you can change yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know, there's like some thought about there of like, if you want it to be true, like it is true. And I feel like that ties right back into like, if you want, if you think your co-founder is lazy and you want that to be true, you're going to think it is true, even though it might not be. And I think that ties back to the book, like wonderfully. Yeah, it's a good one. Highly recommend. There's, there's multiple, but yeah, you can look her up. Interesting. Well, what are you reading right now? Well, I am reading The Crucial Conversations. And I'm also reading, gosh, so many. Um, One that I love is Think Again by Adam Grant. So good. Uh Awesome, yeah. Again, it's about just like reconsidering things. I think that's the superpower is to be someone that can, in any context, consider a different way of viewing the situation. Like that is honestly a game changer um, in entrepreneurship and life. Yeah, so that's a good one too. Have you felt like entrepreneurship has like changed like how you view the world or like how you view mindset? Yeah, I I think so for sure. I think being an entrepreneur is, um, I mean, it's a gift to be able to do this, to do what I love is a gift. And not many people feel like they're capable of that. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like if anything, entrepreneurship has just opened up the world to me. Anything's possible. If mm-hmm. I can think it, I can I can move towards it. I can see that that thing change or I can be part of the solution. It doesn't feel very limiting. It feels very expansive. So yeah, I definitely feel as though this path has just, it's now something I want to do for the rest of my life. I think all of us are actually extremely creative and we have amazing ideas Mm -hmm. and if given the opportunity to just try it um, Mm -hmm. I think people will see that and it will be a game changer for them too yeah did you always like think you would be an entrepreneurship entrepreneur like was there ever something like when you're really young you just thought you'd be one or did it like just stumble upon you I am pretty fortunate Um, my my dad started his first company at our kitchen table and then sold it to Adidas so I grew up just thinking that, and my dad also would, coming home from work, he we would kind of chat through really cool products he was working on in general before that company. So I think I always just thought, yeah, if I want to 
if I want to do do that, I can I can totally do that. Like being an entrepreneur, starting my own company is definitely within reach. Yeah. Uh, as I got older, that seemed less and less likely. I felt like maybe I was actually the only one in my family that probably couldn't do it. Oh. And then through series of events, you know, we all ended up doing it together. And now I have like a million different like domain names and things I want to start That's at some so point cool. once I've finished some of these. But yeah. That's super cool. Like, I feel like having someone to like really look up to see like, oh my God, like that's possible. Like it's like anyone can really do that as you saw with your dad. Like who is your role model? Do you have celebrity role models? Is it like your parents' role models? Who would be like your your role model? Huh. I've thought about this in such a long time. Um, yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say that there's one role model i would just say different different people in my family are my role model for different reasons like my older sister for instance i mean she's an incredible humanitarian photographer she honestly has seen pretty much like i don't know so 80 plus countries or something crazy like that <laughs> uh, yeah and she's just the type of person that's like yeah if she wants to do it she'll do it and that is something i definitely admire my little sister She's very just extremely open hearted towards everyone. Everybody feels so comfortable around her. She makes everybody feel super special. Um, she's super funny and witty and is just fully herself. And okay. that's something I admire. And then, of course, my parents I already briefly spoke about um, their traits, like my mom with Fiesta, a huge community builder. Like mm -hmm. she just knows everyone. I mean, she's able to connect with people and figure out how to make it so that way someone can find the person they need to find in order to see their thing go to the next level. That's massive. That's an amazing skill. And then my dad, of course, like a tinkerer, very imaginative, um, always dreaming up what could be. So I think all of those things combined, and of course, other people too, like my grandparents and stuff has definitely been, they've been, yeah, all of them have been role models in my life. That's awesome. That's beautiful as well. We have two more questions left. I just want to ask one, um, what advice would you give to someone in their young 20s? They want to start their own business. They want to do their own thing. What advice would you give to someone? I would just say try it. Like, what's the worst thing that will happen? Honestly, the worst thing is that you'll wonder what it would have been like had you tried it. Mm. That's honestly the worst thing that will happen. And if you, and just, you don't have to spend a lot. I think most people get intimidated because they feel like they have to spend a lot of money yeah. to, to get started. And that's actually not true at all. A domain on GoDaddy costs like, what, 19 bucks or whatever. Building on Squarespace costs $30 a month. But <laughs> you're spending $50. You could cancel at any time. And then what? Like, that's $50. That's not a big deal. I think the biggest thing you'll maybe lose is time if, if done right. Instead of spending it on a bunch of things, maybe you'll maybe you'll lose a bit of time trying something. But is it really a loss when what you've learned you can carry carry with you to the next thing? I don't think I don't think anything's ever wasted ever in life. So, yeah, I would just say go for it. Try it. If you have an idea, like I said, put up a landing page, ask people questions, get curious about the problem, figure out if you can truly find a solution to that problem. And like I said, the worst thing is that you're, you'll fail, but what failure, somebody once told me failure is just fertilizer for the mm. next thing. So That's I a thousand percent believe that. 
That's awesome. Well, Courtney, you are awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And the last question would be, where can people connect with you? Where can people learn more about you? Please plug it all. And those links will be down below as well. Awesome. Well, will do. Thank you so much. This has been an honor. Yeah, perfect. Well, yes, thank you so much, Courtney. You were great. I give you a round of applause and super excited for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. And like, like I said earlier in the call, let me know if there's any way that I can help kind of support what you're doing. We, we'd truly love to. Awesome. Excellent.